0: Word of mouth is the best kind of promotion, and Deeks Insurance is proud to list word of mouth as a secret to their success. Serving the faith-based community with tailored plans and preferred rates for home and auto insurance, Deeks knows the importance of a good reputation, which is why so many customers refer their friends and their family to Deeks Insurance, a licensed insurance brokerage since 1981. If you can't wait to find out from someone else, then visit deeksinsurance.ca to get started with a quote. Deeks Insurance. Where family matters.
1: I'm gonna decide to take this divine perspective. I'm gonna decide to let God, let justice, justice belongs to God. I'm not gonna try to avenge the wrong that was perpetrated against me. I'm gonna have the mindset that says, God, what is it in this? How can I grow from this? What are the lessons learned?
0: That's Deborah Paget, and you'll hear more from her today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus president and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Hey, today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Now, some of you just went,
2: no, I don't want to talk about that. While some of you said, yeah, I had to learn that lesson last week, last year, a couple of months ago. Uh, forgiveness is so important to us. Matthew six fourteen says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. It's kind of interesting that the Lord is saying, hey, here's how it's done. Um, Even if you've been a Christian for a long time, maybe especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, you may have forgotten these uh, really easy, well, not so easy to do, but these important principles. And we're going to talk today with a special guest who's written a book, Forgive, Let Go, and Live, and
0: I know you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, and every time, Jim, that we come to the topic of forgiveness, our audience responds. It just seems, as you said, to be something really crucial for us to get a hold of and really hard to do. And as I said, Deborah Paget is our guest. She is a certified behavioral consultant, a Bible teacher, and international speaker, Um, She's written, I think, 16 books, she said, including the one you just mentioned, Forgive, Let Go, and Live.
2: Deborah, welcome to Focus on the Family.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Now,
2: we have a mutual friend, Fawn Weaver, and you had her do a little endorsement, and it's brief. I want to read it for our friends, the listeners, because it is funny. She said, this is a must-read for all those who have ever held a grudge. And then parenthetically, she said, which is pretty much all of us. (laughs) Isn't that so true? Yes. I mean, why is the human heart wired that way? We're wired for grudges.
1: Well, I'm not sure if we're so much wired for grudges as much as we're wired for justice. And when somebody offends us we feel like justice has to be served. That's interesting. So we're high justice.
2: Yeah. And that that maybe we're wired for God because uh, right. he's high justice.
1: At least I'm trying to make it sound good for everybody. Yeah. Who's- <laughs> well, and, and,
2: but God is also, it, it is interesting. It's always one of those dichotomies. God is a high justice God. Yeah. He's also a God of forgiveness.
1: Absolutely. But we feel like when somebody hurts us or disadvantages us in any way, we feel like that person needs to be paid back. I mean, you know, a debt has been created and, and a lot of times a person can't, the debt can't be repaid. Mm. It may be a death involved or a loss of a reputation. Sometimes the hurt, the pain, the disadvantage, whatever, it can't be repaid. And there we get stuck. But if I knew
2: nothing about forgiveness, how would you describe it to me? You're trying to teach me somebody who knows nothing about forgiveness. What's the big picture?
1: I'd say forgiveness is just letting go of the desire to avenge a wrong. If something has happened to you, I'm going to let go of the anger. I'm going to let go of my desire to, for payback. Uh, I'm going to leave that to God.
2: Isn't that the heart of God? Yes. That it is just the feels heart of God. right.
1: Yeah, I, I like that word forgive because, because it has the word mm-hmm. give in it. And forgiving... Is giving
2: what uh, right from the beginning? We're going to get into part of your yeah. story, but what is the benefit of forgiving? W- you know, what's this going to cost me, and what do I get out
1: of it? Well, you're going to get more because it's going to cost you a whole lot. And I like the scripture that you started with because, first of all, if we don't forgive, God's not going to forgive us. So there are many benefits, and I, I like to classify them as like four benefits, four or five. There's a spiritual benefit because now we, we're not hindering our forgiveness. Because if we don't forgive. God's not going to forgive us, so that's a great spiritual benefit. We won't be disconnected from the Lord, right? Yeah, but just relationally, it, we, it won't. You know, we'll have good relationships now. We'll be able to connect with people. I'm totally convinced that most people who hurt us, a lot of times, they don't know that they did. That's and true. We may be carrying right. that, yeah. So now we can have a warm relationship, meaningful relationships. Because when it's all said and done, it's really relationships that really count.
2: That's the bottom line. Yeah, isn't it? but
1: emotionally, it, it's it's there's a big benefit there. It's so well. you
2: know, people are probably hearing you and they're going, "Wow, she sounds just like." an upbeat person that came from a good home. She learned forgiveness in her home. That's exactly opposite your story, isn't it? Exactly. What was your home like and and how much tension was there and how much unforgiveness?
1: There was lots of unforgiveness. I always say, not jokingly, that I inherited a legacy of unforgiveness. My mom and my dad fought constantly, and they were always fighting about something that happened in the past, making some accusation. Well, you did this, you did that. They had these circular conversations, I call it. They never ended in anything positive or a resolution. But there was pain there. There was violence. There was lots of just chaos in the family. And I found that as siblings, we, we inherited that. And I just didn't like what I was feeling. Anytime somebody did something to me, I'm I'm like, never going to forget that. How
2: old were you? And you have seven kids in the, in your family. That's right. Um, how old were you when you began to say, this doesn't feel right?
1: Probably like, maybe about fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because so I've 10, always been a communicator. 11, I always like yeah. to tell people what I'm thinking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you are a good communicator. Well, and, you're a speaker, and yeah, that's and I part just, of
1: it. I just kept thinking, there's got to be a better way. When you have a discussion, it should result in something. There should be a purpose at the end of it, not just staying angry and reinforcing that.
2: <laughs> so so where are you in the birth order? I'm
1: second. And you're number two. I'm number two, but I'm the only girl, so they worked me Six to know Six boys Ed. and one Six, girl. Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. How'd you survive that? Well, I've, I've always tended to be an in-charge in person. That's the way of saying bossy. I,
2: <laughs> I don't see that at all. <laughs> in-charge in person. Well, That's a nice Well, ecosystem. my mom was
1: ill all the time, so I had to take charge at an early age by by the time I was seven, I was making dinner for the entire family. That
2: had to be a, a heavy weight. Did you have any bitterness about that? No,
1: I didn't even think it was a heavy weight until somebody told me it was. Oh, man. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I just felt it was my responsibility. Huh. The heavier weight was just growing up among all that tension because I we never knew what a day would bring. My dad would come home always in a bad mood. He was always in a bad mood. And in retrospect, I'm thinking maybe he was always in a bad mood because he had so many children to take care of, and he, was, he worked a day laborer's job. He was a sawmill person, and they, you know, cut wood all the time time and that was the job. And I'm sure that was pretty painful for him and having that responsibility because despite the fact that he was abusive, he was very responsible financially. Hmm. So we never lacked the basics, but uh, he just created tension in the environment because he believed heavily in corporal punishment. (laughs) Now, you've been married
2: 38 years. 38 years. And I'm just curious about that family formation. I mean, you're coming out of this kind of chaos. Oh, yes. Were you... But you sound like such a person of resolution. You know, even as a young child, you thought, why argue in a circular way to your parents? That's pretty smart.
1: Well, well, but I had a chip on my shoulder. And I told my husband when we married, I said, now, listen, try not to do anything during this marriage that I have to forgive you for. Because in my family, we do absolutely no forgiving.
2: Wow. Yeah. So and your your solution to that was don't do anything. Just don't do anything. That would ne- necessitate me right. having to forgive you.
1: Because I knew that that was going to be a struggle. I knew based on how I interacted with other people. And even though I would smile, if somebody did something to me, I would never forget it.
2: Okay, and you've got to have an incident where this the yeah, rubber just, meet, met the road yeah. and you guys were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? I mean, did you well, have an he, you argument? Know,
1: he, my husband's so easygoing. No, but what, I, what we learned, and I had great mentors, is learn how to communicate. Learn how to say, when you do this, uh, it makes me feel this way. Uh. And so that's what we do. And, and we have lasted 38 years with a really harmonious marriage for the most part. I mean, really, I'd have to say 90% of our marriage has been harmonious. I am not kidding you. <laughs> well,
2: way <laughs> to never, lay the law we, down early. Well,
1: well, no, because we are both confronters.
2: Oh, is that right? We are
1: both confronters.
2: Now, sometimes I can get into a little bit of trouble, I no, would No, <laughs> no,
1: no, because what we have decided is that, uh, and I wrote a book on confrontation, so I try to do what I, you know, yes. okay, it doesn't always <laughs> Practice work. Practice what, yeah, I got <laughs> you. Gotcha. Know, okay, it doesn't always work. But uh, w- when there's an issue... We'll say, okay, I, you know, he has his say, I have my say. And then we believe in submission. I do. And so if there's ever a big conflict, you know, we, we let him make the final decision. And I had good mentors in this area, so I can't take credit for this. I had very mature women who taught me how to have a good marriage, how to esteem a man, and how to go to God, to be that little secret agent that kind of sick, you know, sick God on him.
2: <laughs> right, right. It's quiet prayers, yeah, right? Yeah, there you go. So in, the, in fact, you had a mentor. Yes. And you talk about this mentor in the book, uh, yeah. Juanita Smiles. Smith, I yes. think. Dr. Juanita Dr. Smith. Dr. Juanita Smith. The power of a mentor. How old were you when Juanita came into your life? And, you know. I was
1: 30. Okay. I was 30 and, and What yeah. kind of
2: questions would she ask you as a mentor? A lot of people don't have a mentor relationship. They have lots of friends, but nothing permission given that you can ask me tough questions.
1: She would observe and she would say, never say you should to a man. She said, always say, have you considered. She was very easy in her approach, but very powerful. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it, John? Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm and, and I already like that it. phrase right yeah. there. She have, said, you yeah. have you considered? Yeah. Yeah, have I you like considered? I like that. considered? You know, yeah. and always ask a question, never make an accusation. Mm. And th- these things worked, you know, and always esteem. She said, you have to esteem a man. She said, God loves men. He made them first. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm going to tell them where to go if they need to be told. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: man. <laughs> but there that, yeah. there had to be a point, though. I mean, you're coming out of that background in your household, lots of contentious fighting, physical, even, you said, with your dad. And your mom and dad chasing circular arguments and never coming to a conclusion, and the frustration you felt as a 10 year old uh, in that regard. There's got to be that point, maybe something in your marriage or something somewhere. Give us that story where you didn't do it.
1: It was the money. I didn't want okay. to share the money. Okay. Because my dad was the one in control with the money, and my mom would, had no education, so I was already a of You didn't want to be woman. her I in that to, money area. I absolutely did not want to be my mother. Yeah. And also, I had a, a bad mentor who said, never pay more than your half of the bills. Never never pay more. In the more marriage? Than, yeah, in the marriage. Wow. And she was a Christian woman. She said, yeah. I don't care if you make a million dollars and he makes a dollar. Never pay more than your half. And then my <laughs> husband's job went on strike, and I had to pay all the bills. <laughs>
2: And and you're going, okay, what do we do with this? Okay,
1: what do we do with this? But you know, by then we had already talked about the fact that we wanted to become one financially. We didn't just want to become one intimately. We want to become one financially. And my husband has said, listen, we need to get to the point where everything that comes into the marriage belongs to the marriage. Right. And that has worked for us because we know that financial tension is one of the top reasons people divorce. But in our marriage, we have already decided we don't need to split this 50-50. It's just one. We've become one financially. Whatever comes into the household belongs to the marriage
0: this focus on the family broadcast will continue in just a moment imagine what would happen if every neighborhood in our nation was covered in prayer our country would be entirely different that's why the billy graham evangelistic association of canada is asking you to join in the prayer walk challenge it's as easy as taking a walk and we have resources to help you Will you invest in your neighbor's eternity by taking the challenge? Learn more at prayerwalkchallenge.ca. That's prayerwalkchallenge.ca. Financial moments with Tom Copeland.
3: Paying down debt, saving for future needs, and balancing one's cash flow is often more difficult for a single person compared to a married couple who have two incomes. Although the biblical principles are the same, the practical application of the biblical principles can be different for singles. So if you're single or single again, including separated, divorced, widowed or widower, then this financial study series is for you. This webinar series will be based upon my book, Financial Management God's Way, with additional case studies that apply to singles. The sessions will occur on Monday evenings from 7.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. EST, starting Monday, August the 23rd and going for 12 weeks, except for the two statutory holidays. All sessions will take place on Zoom, so it doesn't matter where you live. There is no cost to join. However, I recommend that you purchase a copy of my book and do the homework in order to get the maximum benefit from this study. To learn more and to register, go to org. Again, org.
0: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: And again, I'm going to reference this for folks who have just joined us, didn't hear the top. Our mutual good friend, Fawn Weaver, the endorsement said, this is a must read for all those who have ever held a grudge. And then in, in brackets, that's pretty much all of us. Yes. I love that statement. Um, if you're struggling with that, contact us here at Focus on the Family. This is probably one of the core lessons you need to learn as a believer in Jesus, mm-hmm. because it's what um, you know delivers you from bitterness and so many other things. And Deborah, I want to ask you, um, you mentioned in your book what forgiveness is yes. and what forgiveness isn't. So let's go to the is. Yes. What is uh, forgiveness? Give us the three or four things you highlight.
1: I say forgiveness. First of all, is releasing the desire to avenge a wrong. It's leaving justice to Jesus, and it's treating, deciding to treat everybody like an enemy. What do I mean by that?
2: Yeah, that's not. Yeah, Matthew
1: five forty four.
2: Love it say? your enemies. Ah.
1: Bless those who curse you. You have to decide to do that. These are all action verbs. Hmm. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Let me tell you something. You have to act your way to to the feeling. And, And the big issue here is that most people think that you need to feel that you've forgiven before you've forgiven. You may still be in pain over the hurt. But if you just decide, I'm going to do this, I'm going to act as if, and I'm going to do these things because emotions follow behavior.
2: Yes, that's true, Deborah. It can be hard for somebody though who has been wounded deeply, and yes. they're hearing you say that. That sounds right, Deborah. But you know what? You don't know what happened to me. I was I was really wounded. I was betrayed by my spouse. Yes. Put that context on it. How does a person really move through the phases of forgiveness? How do they? First of all, how do they get their hands on the
1: pain? First of all, you understand that everything that has happened in your life—this is a hard one. God saw it before it happened. He saw it before it happened, and he saw it while it was happening, and he could have stopped it. That has been a big pill to swallow. God saw that. He could have stopped it. So it must gonna be something that's going to work together for my good ultimately. Either I'm going to grow. Something good is going to happen. If you don't take a divine perspective towards that kind of pain, you're going to get stuck in it. You're going to say it shouldn't have happened. right? And it, and it probably, quote, shouldn't have happened, but in his divine providence, God knows.
3: Yeah.
1: And I, And that's always been my thing. All the days ordained for me were already written in his book. Not the good days, the bad days, too. Yeah,
2: so you and can so, relax.
1: Yes, I, I can relax knowing this somehow in this. So I'm going to choose how I remember this.
2: Yeah, but in that context, the, the tough thing and where the I think the help is – is that a person that is struggling to get that perspective, they could say, well, if God is a good God, why would this pain happen to me? If he loves me, why would this happen to me,
1: Deborah? And why do you have to understand it? Let me tell you, when you walk by faith, at some point you got to start abandoning the why and just say it did. And that I'm going to trust God. It's a question of trust because forgiveness is really all about decisions. It's a series of decisions. I'm going to decide to take this divine perspective. I'm going to decide to let God, let justice, justice belongs to God. I'm not going to try to avenge the wrong that was perpetrated against me. I'm going to have the mindset that says, God, what is it in this? How can I grow from this? What are the lessons learned? Let me tell you, that'll get you to another place. What are the lessons learned? And focus on that.
2: Yeah. The the thing that I'm trying to tap for that listener who is yes. living in that place of bitterness or vengeance is letting that go. Letting it go. And there may be thousands of mm-hmm. people listening right now, Deborah, who are saying, yeah, help me. And this has been brewing inside of me for years, what my brother did to me, what my sister did to me, what my parents did to me, what my spouse did to me.
1: Yes. Let and me I, tell you something, yeah. Jim. You can't forgive in your own strength. It takes God. It's almost like when you work out with a trainer and they come and lift the load. You just got to decide, say, God, help me. I want to. And and I always like to say this. God works in you to will and to do. He gives you the, the desire and the power. You see, a lot of us want to, we say, I want to forgive, but I just can't. No, you can't. So resign trying to in your own strength. Mm. You don't need a New Year's resolution. You can't count to 10. You got to say, God, help me. You right. got to spot me on this.
2: So that's what forgiveness is. Yeah, what now is. what Uh, forgiveness isn't.
1: It's not forgetting, first of all. People say forgive and forget. That is not in the Bible. You can't obliterate something from your memory. Only God can do that. So you need to remember. You need to remember so that you can get the lessons learned. You can remember so that you can know what not to do next time you're in that kind of a situation. Uh. You need to remember. But here's here's one of the myths that we need to understand. You don't have to be reconciled and so a lot of times people will say i don't want to forgive because i never want to have anything to do with that person that that person may be so toxic you don't need to have anything to do with that person Mm -hmm. see that's not so sometimes you just don't need to do that and it's not an emotion don't wait for the feeling you know when i feel better then i'm going to know i've forgiven you may no don't wait for the feeling just start to do obey god start to do what you know to do love them what does that mean wish their highest good bless them that means to speak well. It means to eulogize, just like you would at a funeral. Speak well of that person. Don't speak evil, because that's a, really a form of retaliation. So right. you give up this whole concept of trying to retaliate. I'm, I'm not going to return the punishment. Right. And, and when you look
2: at our culture, though, Deborah, the, one of the things that I am concerned about is we do very little to build this kind of spiritual maturity into us. We're actually working against it. We want to dislike this group or that group and we're so group oriented in the culture generally. Absolutely. The church should be different.
1: But the church is one of the most let's just say divided places because we can't even respect each other's right to differ. You saw, you saw what this past election did to everybody. Mm. It's just, it was just craziness. I respect everybody's right to choose their candidate. You know, Mike, maybe your candidate didn't win. Maybe there's somebody out there. You're still bitter about that. What does God say to do, to pray for those who are in charge, you know, and let's just, let's come together, but you got to want to.
2: And, and it's interesting that even in scripture there, it says they'll know your mind because the love they have or unity yes. you have for one another. Right. I mean, and it's pretty much right. where the world sees that we're not his.
1: Well, and those, <laughs> those of us who call ourselves spiritual, we have to know that we, we have to initiate that process of bringing unity. Yeah, I don't care where it is. I, I can tell you this from my own perspective as in a, a growing up in a, a family, uh, growing up in a town where there was a lot of racism. Right. Oh, my goodness. I, but I, I decided throughout my career I was going to initiate the process. I was going to make other people comfortable with me. I wasn't going to wait for them to come to me and assume that they were racist because they didn't come to me. I would come to them first. Hey, where are you guys going for lunch? May I join you? <laughs> See the Bible there is a way that seems right, but the Bible has the way. He wants us to love each other. Mm. You know, so I'm I'm thinking we got to be proactive. We got to reach out. We got to reach across the aisles. We got even within our families. Listen, when, I, when my family fell apart, and I'm telling you it was bad. People were cursing each other out, and I decided that I'm going to be the peacemaker, cuz blessed are the peacemakers. So I decided in my family, I'm going to be the one who initiates the peace efforts. Uh. So I'm the peacemaker. I s- actively seek to make the peace. So what does that mean? I called everybody in my house. I'll, I'll host the party. I'll host the dinner because that was important to me.
2: You took on the responsibility. I took on the responsibility. Rather than push it away. Yeah, I'm not, so they don't call do me. It.
1: I'm not calling them. Nope. Nope. Yeah. You know, we got to do it God's way. That's why the Bible is so critical. So critical well, to I the quality that. of our lives.
2: Man, this is good stuff. Uh, Deborah, you mentioned in the book 12 Steps uh, for Forgiveness" that twelve-step forgiveness strategy. Yes. Uh, point to some of those that are critical in the last uh, couple of minutes here. Well,
1: first of all, you realize that uh, forgiveness is not optional, so we don't we don't have the option of saying I'm but not. But we gonna treat do it. it like it is. We treat it like it's optional. But we also learn to humanize the offender. Step back and see what, what's in that person's background that perhaps drove that person to be like that. Mm. You know, we seek first to understand. Right, that's so important, and keep we keep on. Let's you, go on. You, to you next keep one. trying to have a divine perspective. What would you know? It sounds trite, but what would Jesus do? Yeah, you know what? What would He do? That is would the he right look question. Look beyond that and seek first to understand that person's actions, and then you don't rehearse it. Stop rehearsing it. Yeah, you decide to move forward. Well,
2: in fact, in the second one that you mentioned in the twelve-step forgiveness strategy, which caught my eye. Make a list of at least five sins God has forgiven you for. Yes. Ooh, now we're talking because now, this is like the Pharisee thing, right? Because right?
1: right. we have to be a channel of forgiveness. And we forget that God has forgiven us. We need to go in and send that out. We don't need to be a reservoir of forgiveness where God forgives us and we just keep it to ourselves. But when we offend, we don't we don't send it out.
2: But right there, what a great way to arrest that emotion when you're offended. To, if your first thought can be, how many times has God yes. uh, forgiven you for something? Right. If that thought is triggered in your mind right away, you then can can respond Absolutely. with gentleness, yes, with understanding. Yes, what, you talk about though the difference between embracing that kind of forgiveness without condoning the behavior, because you can, you need to yes. separate those. things. And that's two one things. of the
1: myths. We think that if we if we forgive somebody, that means that it's okay. We're condoning that behavior. I like what Joseph said when his brothers came to him, and you know the story how he was sold into slavery, and they came and they knew they were mean to him, and they said, "Forgive us, we're sorry." And he said, "Listen." You meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. Right. Oh, yeah, you meant evil against me. He said, but fear not. I'm not taking God's place. Am I in the place of God? I can tell you I have taken God's place many times. When people offend me, I'm going to take God's place. What does that mean? I'm going to avenge the wrong. You shouldn't have done that.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> In fact, I'm not giving you any yeah, food. You're going right, to starve.
1: Right. <laughs> but the, B- the Bible says he spake kindly to them. And that's important that we read these stories, mm. follow that model to say, listen, yeah, you may have meant evil, but God meant it for good. And if we can just get that one truth that no matter what has happened, ultimately, there's some good that can come out of it. Let's work towards looking for that. Yeah. Don't get stuck in it shouldn't have happened. What good can come from this? I am much better off because of racism. I am. Wow. I think I'm a writer today because a teacher discriminated against me in my grammar class, in what my happened? English class. In college, he called me in and he said, you and Miss blah, blah, blah have, have tied for the A in the class. And you're going to have to be reexamined to see which one of you would get the A. I never saw my score. I got the B. I didn't know that 30 years later I'd be a writer <laughs> because right. I decided at that point nobody's ever going to make more than I make on a grammar test. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but God was setting me up. And I'd like for your audience to think that. No matter what has happened, God was positioning me. He was strengthening me for something even greater. And I want to work towards that. Yes, I don't want to get stuck in the pain of that offense.
2: Well, I mean, now, you're opening up such an area where suffering actually can lead to you becoming a better person. Absolutely. And, And yet you have to climb out of that pit of suffering you
1: have to and that's why the psalmist says it's been good for me that i've been afflicted mean trouble that i might learn his statues what have you learned about god in that process i learned about the grace of god through the process of being alienated from my family i learned that if you actively take a role that you can influence other people's lives because others looked on my nieces looked on and saw how i was responding and they said we can't believe you responded like that and now they are forgiving people
2: so it's encouraging them.
3: Absolutely. I mean, again, in
2: this 12-step forgiveness strategy, which you include in the book, Forgive, Let Go, and Live, uh, you say it there. Refuse to be stuck in your story. That's kind of what you're yes, saying. Yes, yes.
1: And, and you know that what else pit. I like to say is always say that you're forgiven. Say that out loud. I believe faith comes by hearing. Say, I release that. So the minute something happens to you, just say it. Say, I release that person.
2: Let me ask you this. Um, the person that you have done the right thing. As as the believer, and maybe the other person it may be a believer, may not be, but they offended you. You attempted to correct it. You extended forgiveness. You've done all the right things, but they keep wounding you. They keep doing it. It's now the eighth, ninth time, and they're not hearing you. They're not listening to you. What do you do with that? I know the scripture keeps saying. No,
1: but you disconnect from that relationship. There's no scripture that says you must be reconciled to a person who is toxic to you like that. So
2: you don't have to be a doormat. You
1: don't have to be a doormat. That's, That's not godly. <laughs> that's, yeah. not, that's, that's not wisdom. That's important to
2: hear because yeah. a lot of people right. will interpret that as spiritual.
1: Right. Well, in the book, I give 10 ways to know that it's time to disconnect from a relationship. And it's just what you just said. If the person constantly hurts you, uh, ignores you, they don't care about your goals, your feelings, or any of those things, you don't need to be around that person. That doesn't mean you hate them. You just don't need to be in fellowship with that person.
2: Mm. Yeah. And it's kind of scriptural yeah. again where you oh. shake off the dust on your feet Absolutely. and keep on moving. Yeah,
1: you, you listen, it's like I call it the easy off principle. I have, when I, I'm, a, I'm a former maid, and I had someone cleaning my stove and I said, Now you need easy off on this. And she said, No, the fumes. I said, listen, this is not how you use easy off. You spray it and you run away from it. <laughs> you know Here's a tip. Okay, here's a tip. All right. You just you don't you, you don't stand there and inhale it. And some of us, we have toxic family members, and we're always around them, and they're always being toxic to us and making us feel bad. And we just stand there and inhale that toxicity. We don't have to do that.
2: All right. We're, we're riding in there at the end here. We, if Make the pitch. You are the spokesman for God, right? And you're knocking on the door. And you're in front of the home of somebody who has terrible bitterness, terrible attitude toward their neighbor, whatever it might be. They have not been able to forgive. The person opens the door. What do you say to them?
1: I say, God sees your pain today. He wants you to have peace Jesus died on the cross so that you could have the peace. And he said, let the peace rule in your heart. That peace won't rule in your heart until you release this person from the past. So you need to begin to say, I release everybody. Release that person. Make a decision today, and God will help you to do it because it is God who gives you the desire and the power to release everybody who's ever hurt you. Mm. And then you can have a quality relationship, and you can enjoy the peace of God.
2: Deborah Paget, I want to be your neighbor. (laughs) I would love that. You just (laughs) I think you walk around blessing people. (laughs) I try. I I so appreciate uh, what you've done and really that resiliency that you have demonstrated. You are a child of God. Thank you. Created in His image, and it just bursts out of you in every way. Thank you. And I love that. Um, No one's going to keep you down.
1: That's right. Because God wants you up. And that kind of peace and being up and joyful is available to all of us. We just have to allow Him to work it through us. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, it's so refreshing to have some truth boldly spoken about unforgiveness and bitterness in your life. And that's just what Deborah Paget has done on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Once again, her book, Forgive, Let Go, and Live, is full of stories about uh, people learning how to forgive, as well as tools to help you along the way toward forgiveness. And we'd love to send you a copy of this book. Just give us a call, and we'll tell you more. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.